You ready to study the scripture? Get your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to pray. As you're turning there, Father, would you teach us the scriptures now? Would you illuminate our hearts and our minds? Give us an understanding. Give us grace to know what you're trying to teach us individually. We receive from you now. We welcome your word into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was telling you, I came back from vacation uh, just this last week and was with my family. My wife and I celebrated 21 years of wedded bliss. She is the most wonderful, most beautiful person I know. And uh, each year gets better. So we went away by ourselves. And then we had the kids come and join us. And that was so much fun. We were on the beach down at Port Aransas. And uh, that was a great time together. And, uh, and, and then, you know, we, we did stuff like reading books we would never read normally. And, you know, just, just kind of chilling out and watching movies. Well, I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie, uh, the, the latest Star Trek movie? Start, the latest Star Trek movie is really a cool movie. I really like it. I like the last two brand new ones, all right? It's, it's like uh, th this whole new look at the, the franchise and the series, all right? So, but the newest one has a, um, a character in it, and his name is Khan. <laughs> right, all you Trekkies, all right? So Khan is this amazing uh, character, and the unique thing about Khan is there's already been another Star Trek movie that was made about Khan. It's called The Wrath of Khan. It was made in like 1982. And I am old enough to have seen it in 1982. So The Wrath of Khan was a movie about this character who was in the original episode. All right, the original episodes. Have you, anybody ever see the original episodes of Star Trek? Captain Kirk, William Shatner. He's an incredible actor. He really is. <laughs> I'm not going to go any further with that impression. So there's an original episode with Khan, and this, he's part of a race of superhumans. And then they make this other movie about him in 1902, and then finally this movie about him, and it's fascinating. Some of you are thinking now that I am a Star Trek nerd by now, because I know all this, but I am not really a Star Trek nerd. I mean, I mean, I like Star Trek and everything, but space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's a five-year mission to seek out, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. All right, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> I know, it's, 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 a, it's a great theme, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about Star Trek on my vacation. I was thinking about how they go places they've never been before. I was thinking about what it would be like, this, this, this whole idea of great exploration, great adventures. They, they had no agenda except to, to have these new experiences and to see what was out there. And I sort of feel like we're at a point in the life of the church 
where we've, we've been on a journey. And, uh, and it's been a journey. I mean, truth be told, right? This, I want, I want to kind of have some true confessions with you today. Middle of the summer, I, I want to I I tell you where I am. I want to share with you where I think we're headed. Uh, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I've never been here before in a three-year-old church that sets up and tears down. Oh, see, they're leaving already. Just kidding. I'm sorry. I, I know it's, a, look, it's about a baby. It's okay. It's all right. See, I don't know what I'm doing. Never been here in a church where you, you set up and tear down every week and you, you have these venues. We had three venues in the span of two years. I mean, we've been going, we've been on an adventure, we've been on a journey. I mean, I'm discovering all kinds of new things as your pastor. God is doing new things in my life. I, I know he's challenging my leadership. I mean, this, this is obviously, I mean, if you've been part of this church any longer than two weeks, you know it is not a perfect church. It has many blemishes. There are many issues that we have to deal with. But I, I as we look at, our three-year anniversary, which is coming next month. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty awesome. Hey, we made it three years. Yeah. <laughs> the statistics say if you could make it three years, then you can make it a lot more because <laughs> a bunch of them fold. So yeah, that's a wonderful thing. But listen, I think we have to boldly go where we haven't been before. I think God is asking us and, and wanting us um, to boldly go to the next adventure, the next season, the next part of the journey. And it is, it is a part of the journey that I don't, I don't know that I really know how to do it, but I want to talk to you about what it might look like. All three years that we've been here as one chapel, I mean, the goal has been to see people transformed by the presence of Jesus. His presence is a really important value here. I, I think that, that his presence is the transforming agent that people need. I think relationships are the way we do ministry. It's, it's, it is the, the only way ministry that's lasting can be done, right? People can get a moment of transformation by the presence of God, but it takes relationships to continue that movement and that decision. And then the mission of God that we're all here trying to make sure we're in touch with every day, the mission of seeing people be drawn to him to see more and more Christ followers begin a new life with him. This presence, relationship, and mission, I, I believe in these things. These are the, the, the backbone of our church. This, this is the, these are the values that drive all the ministry that goes on here. But I've wondered, as we go through this process and we become three years old, you know, I've, I've kind of thought that if you get four years, you get four years to create a culture. I think, I think if you look at life, there's a seasonal aspect to a four-year window. That's why five-year plans almost never work. <laughs> if, if you ask anybody, 
what their five-year plan was five years ago, they typically wouldn't have told you they would be where they are. Now, I still think it's important. It's an important uh, um, exercise to do a five-year plan and look out and you know look at, but. But I think there's about a four-year window that we all kind of cycle through. I think it takes about four years to really get to know somebody. When you get to four years, your relationships are really starting to entrench. When we get to four years, you're going to really know who I am as as your pastor. You're really going to know what my weaknesses are and what my strengths are. When we get to a four-year anniversary there I just think there's a natural sort of element our culture begins to to harden right the the foundation that we've laid with all of the you know in a a sense looking at um, you know concrete and the way it it's formed up it's really starting to harden and then we'll build on top of that foundation the structures that will be necessary to do ministry in this city for many, many, many years to come. So in some ways, we've been experimenting over the last three years. <laughs> some have been really good. Others, not so good. And we just don't talk about them anymore. One time, one time I had a men's meeting on a Saturday night when UT was playing. It's like, what kind of an idiot is that? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> so we don't do that anymore. We did it once and we don't do it again. We don't speak of it. <laughs> but there's a commission that Jesus gave us and I think I, 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 I've wrestled with what it looks like to obey the commission. I'm wrestling with what it looks like on a daily basis, on a routine basis, what it looks like to obey the great commission in Matthew 28. What does it look like to be a church that says, okay, this, this, this is what we're going to be engaged in. If you look at Matthew 28 and you look at verse 18, I'm gonna read it in the NIV. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. For about 18 months, about half of our existence as a church, I've been wrestling with an idea, and the idea is how to make sure there is an understandable and accessible pathway to making disciples. Understandable, people get it, Okay, I, I know. If I want to become a disciple, I need to do this. All right, here. And it's accessible. It's not too hard for people. Right? It's, they, they can enter it. They can enter the pathway easily. And I've purposefully taken a long time to think about it and, and wrestle with it. And my team, my core team is sick of hearing about it. They are sick and tired of hearing me discuss it and ask questions about it and go back through the process and say, I don't know if this is it or what we should do exactly. And, and, but but we're, we're at a place, I'm at a place where I, I think we have to start, I think we have to sort of take the next step. We have to sort of boldly go where we haven't been before. And, um, and for some of you, I know it's, it's scary to you. You're like, making disciples. I was part of a church one time, made disciples, and it was weird. I, I totally get that. I, I'm not talking about becoming the weird church. 
whatever that is in your mind. I'm not planning on that. But I am trying to figure out how this works. And as I read this passage, I realize there's three ideas here in this little passage that I just want to highlight for you. And the first one, if you look at making disciples, the first issue is it's about the authority of Jesus. It begins with the authority of Jesus and our submission to him. That's why he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, so now I'm telling you to go. Make disciples. We don't talk about this very much in, in discipleship making or spiritual formation or spiritual growth, but what, what really is at the bottom of this whole thing is it's about Jesus and his authority in your life, not about you. Making a disciple, becoming a disciple is not about you doing better and doing really good and, and being better at Bible reading and being better at, you know, all kinds of spiritual things. That's not what becoming a disciple is about. Becoming a disciple is about Jesus and his authority in your life and how well we're going to surrender to that. So that's, you know, that's, that, that can be intimidating, uh, you know, obviously, but... It's not necessarily about you trying to get better. It's just about being willing to surrender to Jesus. And that's actually pretty easy. The second thing you notice in this passage is, it, it's a, he says, I, I want you to baptize people. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love how he says this. This is all compacted in here. We're immersing people. He said, I, when you make disciples, I want you to immerse them in a new life that reflects the character and nature of the Trinity. I want you to immerse them in a life that reflects all that God is. And sometimes we don't do that. We, you know, there's a, there's a, I, I think there's a whole bunch of people that, that, ref, that baptize people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Bible. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's too scary. Right? But I, I, it's, it's, it's this uh, the multi-dimensions of God's nature and character and who he is and how he works. It's all three of those persons being revealed to them in the Trinity and baptizing them in this way of life that interacts with them in a relational manner. He, 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 God is relational in his origin, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he is inviting us into that already existing relationship. He's saying baptize people in this, immerse them in a, in a way of life. And then finally he says, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And I'm going to be with you when you do this till the very end. Teaching people to obey is a big deal. This is, where all the hard, this is where all the hard work is. But I want to highlight for you that teaching them how to obey is the thing he's saying here, not just what to obey. It's actually pretty easy to name for people the Ten Commandments. I mean, only a small percentage of you could name all ten. But my point is you can tell people, you can find it, and you can tell them what they should do. Making disciples is not about telling people what they should do. That's, a, that, that's really not how it works. <laughs> hey, she came back. Hey, thank you. Welcome. See, I still don't know what I'm doing. It just comes across my mind and I say it. That's the problem. So, teaching them how to obey 
instead of just what to obey. It's, it's, it's kind of how it works with my kids. You've heard me talk about it before. I'm going to say it again. I teach them to brush their teeth. I tell them the positive aspects of good oral hygiene, good dental hygiene. I tell them how the benefits, your teeth will be shiny. It'll be wonderful. They won't be yellow. You won't get cavities. I warn them. I put the fear of God into them about going to the dentist, and he's got this giant needle. And if you have cavities, it's, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be so painful. So you got to brush your teeth. I, I, I tell them the benefits. I warn them. And still, every night, what do I find myself doing? Right there in the bathroom. So did you guys brush your teeth? Uh, Dad, I don't want to brush my teeth tonight. <laughs> you don't want to brush your teeth. What are you talking about? Brush your teeth. Brush them right now. All right. Yeah, let, me, let me see. Let me see how you're doing. No, no, that's not good enough. No, here, let me, let me, you got it all the way back. Yeah, all the way back there. Here, let me, let me help you. Let me, it's 10 strokes on this side, then 10 strokes on this side. You got to get all the way back here. What am I doing? I'm freaking myself crazy doing this every single night. When are they going to get it? See, teaching them how to obey is a bit more difficult than just telling them they need to do it. And I think, I think what we have to have as one chapel, what we have to, what, what, what I'm wondering, what I'm wanting to experiment with is the idea that all of us, all of us might be involved in the process of teaching somebody else how to obey. I'm wondering if we could be engaged with someone in someone's life in enough depth and enough detail that we'd be willing, right, to give them access to our lives and they'd be willing to give us access to theirs and, and we would actually be involved in the teaching how to do it. Because think about it. If God wants to pour his spirit out on Austin, and he wants to bring people into the kingdom of God, which I believe he does. I think there are tens of thousands of people who are ready to make a decision right now if only someone would, would help them. I think the Holy Spirit is breathing on our community. I think he's preparing. I think he's answering prayers that have been prayed for 30 years. I hear about the stories of prayer groups that have been praying over Austin. I see what's happening when we look at Explore God this campaign that's coming this fall that I talked about a couple weeks ago and we're, we've, been, we've been kind of forecasting three, over 300 churches participating, coordinating together and asking people to have spiritual conversations with their neighbors, with their coworkers. All of this speaks to me that God is orchestrating and coordinating something amazing. And if he did, by chance, people began streaming into the kingdom of God, would we be able to disciple them? Would we have the mechanism? Would we have the ability? Would we have the training? Would we, would we, have, would we have it? I, I think we've got to answer that question, and we've got we to prepare for it. And I know what you're thinking. The first, first thing you're thinking, you're all like, okay, I don't know, Pastor Ross. Like, I, okay, I get it. Yeah, good. It sounds good, but I barely am a disciple myself. That's because we have a bad picture of what it means to be a disciple. Listen, the bottom line is there, is not, there should not be a difference between Christians and disciples. Christians who believe something, 
versus disciples who actually do something. See, here's the, here's the deal. We can't just create converts. We've got to make disciples. Are you with me? We can't just create converts and pray a prayer. It doesn't say go into all the world and pray a prayer with people. It says go and make disciples. So the question is, what does that look like? <laughs> For the life of me, I've been trying to figure that out. Every church has to decide what, what it's going to look like for them. Every church has to settle what, that, what they're going to tell and teach and what they're going to experience as a culture. And what I'm talking about is imagining and experimenting with a paradigm. Everybody say paradigm. I'm not talking about two dimes. I'm talking about... I'm talking about a worldview. I'm talking about a way of looking at life, and I'm talking about a way of looking at what Jesus said here. And the first thing that you've got to know is a disciple is not an expert at Christianity. If you notice, we have, an ex we have like this expert, this expertise in our culture. You know, we rely on experts for everything. I can't fix my car. It's too, like, there's too many weird hoses and stuff. I have a 49 Chevy pickup. I could fix that car. Not really. I just called Dick, Dick Pope, and he comes over and fixes it. But, 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 I, but I, I, I have to have an expert to fix my car. I have to have an expert to fix my computer. We have experts that help us shape our careers. We have experts. We have all, these, all this specialization. And sometimes I fear that in the church, we've sort of relegated the making of disciples to the experts. We've relegated to the, 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 the pastors, and they're, they're really the experts. they got to make all the disciples. Listen, that is not the plan of Jesus. It's not the plan of Jesus. So you think that because you're not an expert, you can't do this. But the truth is, God used people that weren't experts. If you go, if you go to Acts 4.13, I'll just throw it up here. I'll just throw it up here for you. Acts 4.13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, everybody say unschooled, they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had experienced Jesus. God had worked in them, but they were, they were, it was obvious. It was obvious they were unschooled. It was obvious that they were just ordinary guys. You know what this word is? It's a word, it's a, a little Greek word. It means, it's, it's, a, it's called idiotes. Idiotes, and it means literally an ignoramus, an ignorant or unlearned person, an idiot. <laughs> an idiot. This is proof. This is proof. God uses idiots. He does. He uses just average, ordinary, or normal people. It's not that he can't use skilled people, right? He, I mean, he could still use skilled and gifted people, but he, he specializes in using idiots. <laughs> it's, it's not an expert thing that we're talking about here and we have, to, we have to begin to see ourselves as disciples and there are good ones and there are bad ones but disciples all and here's the truth God doesn't call the prepared he prepares the called he doesn't, he doesn't just call the prepared the people who have it all together he prepares those who are called. What I'm telling you is you're called. 
What I'm telling you is if you believe in Jesus, now here's the problem. We think that becoming a Christian is just believing in Jesus. Did you know that James 2.19 says that demons believe in Jesus? <laughs> demons believe in Jesus and they shudder. That's what James says. Believe in Jesus is not the big thing. Believe in that he exists. Oh, that's nice. There's a lot of people who believe that. We're talking about a journey of becoming a follower, a disciple. Put, put, this, put, this, uh, put that definition of disciple up there. And I want you to see, this is the definition I'm going to start working with. And it is this. It is a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus who makes disciples. That's what a disciple is, a lifelong learner. It's not a guy who figures it all out and gets a certificate at the end. It's a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus who makes disciples. It's imperfect. And we, all we have to do is look no farther than Peter. Look at those disciples that were following Jesus around. They didn't get it really until the Holy Spirit showed up and transformed them, of course. And still, they were trying to figure out how God was working in their first century experience. A, but, but this is what we have to understand is we're trying to make each other into a person who acts, thinks, and feels like Jesus. How can we do that? Well, Here's the number one deterrent, all right? In my, in my opinion, in my experience over the last 18 months as I've been wrestling through this, the number one deterrent is time. The number one deterrent is focus, time and focus. Our lives are so busy, they're so full, we don't make disciples anymore. We just try to help each other get along. It's all we can do. Instead of teaching each other how to obey, hey, instead of experiencing the freedom that is in Learning and growing how to learning and growing in how to obey God. Instead of having somebody who knows us so deeply that they know the worst things about us and they're coaching us how to leave that life of sin and how to how to get out of the chains that want to bind us. Right? There's a, there's a supernatural process here, but it includes another person. And this is what making disciples is all about. My son is about to go, my son is about to go to college. All right, my oldest son. And he's looking forward to the freedom. <laughs> right, you know, right, you know, you know what it's gonna be. He's gonna he's gonna go, he's gonna be on his own, he's gonna get freedom. But you know what's going to happen, right? He's not going to get freedom, he's going to get responsibility. <laughs> That's a bummer. But this is how life is, right? Like, like there's, but when, when you, but when you accept responsibility, right? When you accept the responsibility, then there's freedom in it, right? This is the way, this is the way it works with happiness. Happiness as a goal does not work. Happiness, I just want to be happy. How, how does it feel to live in a country where the theme of it is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? Man, Happiness as a pursuit does not work, but discipline, something that faith, stewardship leads. Happiness as a byproduct is the only way it really comes to you. Happiness as a goal is always elusive. And I sort of feel like we're living in this culture where it's all, we're all just sort of trying to find the, the golden ring and we're all just trying to get happy. You know, oh, you have problems in your life. Go see a counselor. Oh, yeah, you just need to get happy. Oh, yeah, there's just a deeper problem here is we're not making dis disciples. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what that looks like. Because I don't want, I, I don't, 
I don't want our church to be about no fun. I'm all about fun. I want, I want us to have fun. I want us to enjoy what Jesus is doing among us. But I have this suspicion. I have this sneaking suspicion that the freedom and the joy and the love and the, the unimaginable power, the unbelievable authority that may come to us when we accept the responsibility to make disciples is going to be worth every part of the journey. Think of that. Worth every part of the journey. So I'm, I'm going to try to do something bold this fall. All right, you ready? I'm going to try to do something bold this fall. I'm going to do something that establishes a paradigm of discipling. And so I'm going to, I'm going to squeeze down all the groups that we've been doing. And I'm, I'm going to ask us to participate in three kinds of groups as options, right? These are options. You can participate in one. You can participate in two or three if you want to. If you got all kinds of time, would love it. But, but I'm going to kind of shrink down the focus, and, and these are the three different groups. They're disciple circles, which I'll explain in a second. Explore God groups, which I've explained in... in um, services past, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of explain it again here, and then dinner clubs, which are s essentially relational. We've had a lot of groups that have functioned based on interests or topics, or, and I still believe in that, by the way. I still believe in this idea of the gifts that God gave you and using those to reach other people and speak into their lives and having a connection around those topics or around those interests. I, I still believe in that. I'm not going to throw that out for the future. But right now in the life of the church, where we are right now, trying to get to a tipping point because we've grown quickly and we have a lot of people, I'm trying to get to a paradigm of how we make disciples and how we do this. And if you look at these three groups, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach the Disciple Circles group and I'm gonna invite all of you to come to it. Explore God groups, I'm gonna, there's, there's training, uh, one hour of training by video on our website and I'm gonna empower you. There's a, uh, uh, there's a discussion, facilitator's guide and all that stuff at onechapel.com. I'll explain that in just a second. And then there's um, dinner clubs, which are, which are just getting together with people and building relationships. And I want you to see how each of these have a part to play. Dinner clubs build relationships. You, you, I think you have to build relationships before you can really explore God with people. I mean, if it's a quick relationship, you want to talk about God, awesome, do that. But the relationship is going to have to be built before there can be trust to really dialogue about what you think. And so, um, and then disciples, or disciples circles or making disciples or having a little group of people that are really committed to being, um, to following Jesus. I mean, it starts with relationship. It starts with drawing people into the kingdom of God and, and how, he wants to, how he wants to do it. I think, we have to, I think we have to focus on this for the next, for the fall semester. So that's what we're gonna do. Starting September 8th, we're going to have three types of groups. And I know there's some of you who have wanted to start your groups. You, you're thinking about ways that you can, you know, things you want to teach or things you want. Could I ask you in, in all humility and, and sincerity to, to maybe yield that this particular semester and participate with the leadership of the church and, and our team and, and, and go this direction this fall? Let me explain to you what this is. And I'll be explaining it for the next several, you know, uh, weeks and months, but Disciple Circle Leadership Chaining, it's going to happen on Sundays at 5.30, 
and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. It's the same class. You come to one or the other. It's not just a class. It's not just teaching. We're going we're gonna to do Q&A. We're going to do small groups. So I'm going to teach it. I'm going to lead us through. And then I'm going to break up into small groups. If, you, if you're a guy or a, or a woman who wants to, um, has a group of people that you're already kind of investing in, Man, if you want to, this is not mandatory, but if you want to, come and bring them to this meeting and sit through the meeting, then break up in a, in a small group and, and discuss what we're, what we're dialoguing about. Because we're not just gonna talk about the ideas of, <laughs> of, of, of who Jesus is and what the Bible is. It's, it's not that. We're, ta- we're gonna talk about a paradigm, a, a, a worldview of what it looks like to be a disciple and to coach somebody else in how to be a disciple. So we're going to do that at Monterey Oaks. And, then, and uh, so that's led by me. We're going to teach, train, small group discussion. There's child care. And actually, there's a kids for the one growth track uh, that, that, we're gonna, that we're kind of preparing. And so if your kids want to come, you need um, them to be watched. We'll, of course, watch them. But then for the older kids, there's going to be a track of kind of investment and discipling. And then open to everyone with a minimum attendance requirement. When you come, I'm going to ask you to really show up. <laughs> It's, it's not one of those things, you know, I want you to come whenever you want to. I want you to really commit. And then uh, you can bring a group or you can come by yourself. And then, so, so that's, that's the first thing. And then the second kind of group is Explore God groups. And these are really amazing, led by trained facilitators. All right, you have to be trained. There's a one-hour video that you can be trained by at onechapel.com, approved by One Chapel. So we have a little interview because we just don't want axe murderers leading uh, Explore God groups. What, you think, you thought that was funny? No, I'm just kidding. It's my job to protect you and all who come to our groups, and uh, I take that seriously. And so uh, locations throughout the city, training available uh, by video uh, at onechapel.com, discussion group, guides, curriculum, web on the, and, and a whole website. ExploreGod.com is an amazing website where they discuss all the hard questions about God and uh, conversations about God from a Christian perspective. You can invite coworkers, friends, neighbors uh, for a one-hour Discussion. A group of you can get together to do that. Now listen, I think, I think initiating spiritual conversations with neighbors or with coworkers, one of the best expressions of Explore God groups is gonna be at work. It's gonna be on your work break, on your lunch, taking out your computer and, and, and you and two or three others watching the video of somebody talk about the very difficult subject of why there is evil in the world. If, why is there evil in the world if God's so good? and then having a discussion, using the discussion guide, and leading them through a one-hour discussion. One hour or less. Everybody say it, one hour. One hour or less, all right? And we're not talking about a three-hour discussion, and we're just talking about how to have these spiritual conversations. Another use for Explore God is young believers, people who, who are wrestling with what they believe. They, 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 they love Jesus, but they're just not sure. Some of you need to center yourself and stabilize yourself in what you believe about these hard questions. It's good for you guys to get together and and use the material. It's a really good thing to do. And then, of course, there's dinner clubs. Gather with a group of friends to have dinner. Choose one location uh, or take turns hosting in different houses. Potluck, uh, take turns cooking. Share conversation, build relationships, pray for one another. Uh, Connect with one chapel or neighbors and new friends. I mean, there's all kinds of options there. So within these three options, obviously, There's all kinds of potential. But I I want us to have an eye 
towards building the kind of relationships that will result in a discipling process, in a spiritually forming process, in a spiritual growth journey. And whenever you embark on one of these kinds of things, you know, in this kind of uh, agenda, I, I know that it can be intimidating, and I know it, 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 just yielding your life to someone else, I mean, that's uncom- that can be uncomfortable. But I think we're probably gonna miss out on what God wants to do and who he wants to bring into his kingdom unless we prepare for this. And I think we're missing out already if our lives are so busy that we don't have anyone pouring into our life or we're not pouring into someone else's life. I think we're already missing out on the life that Jesus wants to give each of us. Everybody needs a Paul or a Timothy. Everybody needs someone to speak into or someone speaking into them and typically both. And as we go through this journey of what that might look like to have live life together, what it might look like to be a church that actually makes disciples, I want you to think about choosing one or two any combination, you could have a hybrid. You, you could have a dinner club that did explore God. <laughs> you, could, you can do a hybrid of any of these things. You can come to the disciple training on Sunday and then have an explore God group or a dinner club that you're involved in. Look, I, I, it doesn't matter to me. But what I want you to see today is my heart and my desire to experiment, to go where we haven't gone before, to be willing to be adventurous, to be willing to risk, to be willing to get a hold of the joy that is found in sharing the life that Jesus has provided to us and in us. That's what I want to do. Let's see what's out there. Close your eyes, bow your head, and let's pray. And maybe you're here this morning and this, this kind of talk is kind of weirding you out or you're, you're just here for the first time and you don't, you don't even know exactly what it's all about in a relationship with God. But I want to challenge you to pray with me. In this prayer, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you and I'm not going to call you forward. But you might pray with me. You might be willing to say, God, thank you for drawing me. Somehow I hear your voice. I sense that there's something else happening here and I, I want to respond to you. So Lord, we all take a moment and we say yes to what you're saying to us. We say yes to you. Yes to your authority. Yes to your life. Yes to being a disciple. Yes to following you. Would you help us to understand what that means now and help us to to take the next steps. Give us grace and understanding. Lord, forgive me. Forgive us for walking our own path. Now we want to walk your path. Forgive me for doing my own thing. Now I I want to follow you. Forgive me for my failures and my foolishness. I receive the work of Christ today. Jesus and what he means I choose to believe and to embark on a journey. Give me a new start. Make me a new person today. 
Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for healing. Thank you for cleansing. Thank you for loving me. I embrace you and I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name.